Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're back for yet another episode. And today I have with me, well, virtually with me, Erica and John Hayes. Thank you so much, guys, for making time for the Boca Podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. And we actually had the opportunity, I guess it was for the first time, to meet back at the United Conference in, uh, man, I'm losing track of dates here. I guess it was the first part of November, right? Yes. Yeah. At United here in, uh, in Phoenix in November. Yeah. It was, it was perfect to finally be able to put a face behind everything that we participate in. Well, and I think I almost immediately asked if you guys wanted to be on the podcast, your, your energy together, the energy that you exude is just absolutely amazing. And I'm, and I hope that that translates for our listeners during our conversation today. And we're going to actually touch on a, a brand new subject actually, which is how to become a branding photographer. Uh, I don't know that we've had any photographer on the show to date that actually specializes in this particular genre of photography. It's it's a, a phrase that I've begun to hear as of late, but certainly something that seems to be a bit newer to the photography industry, or at least the wedding and portrait industry. And so we're going to get into that in more detail here in just a bit. We normally start off the podcast with something we call a technique for time. And I'll let either one of you grab the answer to this question, but maybe both of you have one. What is something that you do that enables you to create more time for yourselves, uh, for your kids? I know you've got a couple of kids. Uh, Through the week or even just day to day in your workflow, is there a tip or a trick that you have implemented in your workflow that creates more free time for you? Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks first, uh, Nathan, for having us on here and, uh, and also for your your kind compliments. We appreciate that. For sure. But yeah, you know, I really feel like having a technique for time, you know, finding free time for us in our life and in our business, it was something we we heard a lot about and heard others wisdom on as we stepped into full-time business for ourselves, but something we still had to learn the hard way on our own, you know, creating time for ourselves. And it's, it's really something we struggled with in 2018, but something we're championing for ourselves in 2019. So I'd, I'd say 2018 really taught us a lot of lessons okay. and we're able to apply those for this year. So I want to hear your, your technique here in just a second, but I'm actually curious now, if you don't mind sharing, what, what was the struggle with creating time for yourselves in 2018 and how is that going to change in 19? Um, well, so 2018 was our first full year in business. So we started halfway through 2017. Okay. And in 2018, it was just like, the best way we can describe it is the business ran us. We did not run the business. <laughs> yeah. It ran us. So it was every inquiry we received was yes, absolutely. Like if you need a camera pointed at it and, and it pays, we'll be there. Sure. You know? and, and while that's great and while that's almost necessary when you're starting out, it really got us to the point where we were shooting five to six days a week pretty consistently. And, and that's just shoot time. So when you, you know, take into account all the backend work and invoicing and, and post-production and uh, driving to and from shoots and babysitting and everything else. Uh, plus the things our kids are involved in. We just, we did not have a life. Uh, we'd, we'd work from sunup to sundown and it was, it was fun because we were building 
our business and pursuing our dream, but it drained us completely. Sure. To the point where we had multiple, multiple moments of like, man, that job I used to have, <laughs> yep. was it really that bad? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so that's where we decided, look, 2019, if we're going to continue to do this and if we're really going to chase after what we want to build, it can't look like this. Mm. And, and we learned, we learned some lessons about like, you know, scheduling time. And I think that's our biggest technique for time is just, we, we found that we have to be kind of scheduled people. So one of the things we do every morning is we wake up early before the kids get up and, you know, we take the time to just drink coffee, have some quiet time. Um, and then before the kids get up, we really are intentional to talk down the whole day. So we come together with each of our to-do lists, our priority lists, because the way we divide things between what we do, we both focus on different areas of the business. Hmm. Um, and we decide based on the things we bring to the table in the morning, what are the highest priorities for the day? You know, what's, what's going to keep the ball rolling for us? What, what things are screaming the loudest? You know, what do we have to do? And then we create, based on that, some realistic goals for the day. So we want to set a realistic goal list, not something that's like, 50 items long that there's no way we can accomplish. Um, we want to set a realistic goal list that is achievable because that way we can, at the end of the day, we can look at that list. We can see the things we've checked off and we can feel good about what we got done for the day and then move on to the other things we do outside of our business without feeling guilty about it yeah. or feeling like we left, left something on the table. And, and it helped us work with purpose too, so that we're not all over the place focusing on 20 different tasks, but accomplishing nothing. So that's really been what we've implemented uh, into our own business and lifestyle so that, you know, at the end of the day, when our son comes home from school, we can have family time and we don't need to feel guilty about it. That's really good. You know, I, and you, you mentioned that you, you realized you had to be schedule people. I think the reality, honestly, is that pretty much anybody in business for themselves needs to be a so-called scheduled person. If we are letting the business happen to us or run us, as you were describing, and I think many, many of our listeners can probably relate to that, at least in, in the past, if not currently, if, if we let our business run us, if we're reacting to everything that's, that's going on, whether it's email or phone calls or social media or anything of the sort, it is going to absolutely overwhelm us. And um, mm -hmm. whether we experience that for an extended period of time or even a short amount of time, that will happen if we're not proactive about saying, all right, here is, first of all, the life that I want to live. Secondly, because that's the life that I want to live, this is the type of business model I'm going to implement. And then thirdly, now that I know that business model, I am going to implement a schedule that enables me to be able to carry out that business model effectively. And I, I like that you got, you got even more specific, John, by saying, instead of making a massive list of, of to-dos, I'm going to create a list or we're going to create a list that is manageable, that is accomplishable, if that's even a word, in a day. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and that way you're not overwhelmed. Because I know one of the things, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, one of the things that happens is when we make a list that's too long or too overwhelming, that are, you know, two or three projects, whether than actually two or three tasks, there is a significant difference. Then it, it just becomes so overwhelming that there's a high likelihood that, A, either we don't get them done and then we feel disappointed and or we, we're, we're so overwhelmed that we end up just putting them off. And right. so creating a, a doable list, if you will, at the beginning of the day, I think is a great idea or even at the end of the prior day. And that way, you know what you're working toward. It does give you some guidance and some direction, some structure to your day. And then, as you said, 
the rest is kind of gravy, right? You know that if you have any additional time to get things done in your business, it's great. Uh, but then if you have to move on to taking care of personal things in your family or otherwise, you've at least moved your business forward in some form or fashion that day and you can feel accomplished. And I think it's a wonderful balance. Erica, do you have anything to add to that? Not too much. Uh, it just, like you said, making it to where we feel like we go into the day with being like, cool, I can get this done. That way, when we set out to do it, like we have a purpose and something we're focusing on. Yeah. And it just allows us just to have clarity in what we're doing. So we're not all over the place. Cause I'm like what you said, if I feel overwhelmed, then I'm just the one who will just start scrolling and I'll get lost <laughs> in the scroll and yep. then I'll start clicking. And I'm like, cool, I didn't have to do any of it because it wasn't going to happen anyways. Right. That's just been the most successful thing for us. Um, taking our huge long to-do lists, consolidating it down. Really, honestly, the first thing is what's going to make us money will be the highest priority yeah. thing that one of us focus on. Yeah. And then, you know, um, responding to leads or inquiries and, you know, anything after that is just what can benefit and support the back end of our business. And so, yeah, it's really been beneficial for us to follow that every day. That's and, good. And oh, go ahead, John. I was just going to add, I think as a husband and wife team too, because we do split up kind of the different roles and duties we have within the business, it also helps us not go head to head with what we think our own priorities are and mm. whether they're more important than the other's priorities. Yeah, it, it lets us level set on that at the beginning of the day. And then we agree to what our mutual highest priorities are. And I think that's, that's something that's really allowed us to function. You know, I hear people out say, you know, how do you guys do this as a husband and wife? Like I would be at each other's throats all day. <laughs> well, it's because, you know, we, we come to agreement before the day even starts on, um, yes, we both have a list of to do's, but here are both of our highest priorities. Now let's go out and get them. And so it, it helps avoid conflict in that way too. Well, you know, there's something too that, that makes a big difference. And, and this is certainly not a, or meant to be a relationship podcast anyway, but I can speak from experience that when, when you're in a relationship, a close romantic relationship, and especially a marriage and you're, you're spending all the time together, it's in order to be able to effectively run a business together, you really have to set some, some bigger ideas in front of you that are bigger than both yourselves that you certainly okay. that you agree on, um, but that kind of supersede your preferences, maybe in some cases, um, your ego, certainly, and hopefully all cases. And so in order to effectively work together and minimize the amount of conflict, ego has to be set aside. Preferences at times have to be set aside. And you're both working toward this larger goal. This is the thing that we're reaching toward. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier. You know, you know what you want to accomplish in life. And then in the context of this conversation, that also helps direct the business model that you're creating. And that business model is really what decides how you're spending your time. And since you've both agreed on that business model and what you're actually reaching toward, it's much easier to work together effectively and, and minimize conflict simultaneously. Um, I think that's really, really it's, it's something important to keep in mind, whether those of you listening in are married or in some type of a romantic relationship where you're working with somebody else or even just a business partnership. It's really important to learn how to work toward the bigger idea or the bigger goal and set aside ego. And again, I speak from experience, so this is certainly not me preaching. It, it's a really important idea concept to keep in mind. So this has been a wonderful start to the conversation. I really appreciate you guys sharing with us to start off. Talk to us a little bit about, and, and, and maybe this is not so much in 2018, maybe as you're moving into 2019, this is something you're considering. 
Um, but a question I've been asking our guests as of late, what is something that you've learned to do to be more centered, more present, more focused to kind of minimize the distraction? Eric, you alluded to the scroll, um, that detrimental scroll, if you will. Uh, <laughs> yes. What is something that has enabled you all to to be a bit more present? I mean, that that quiet time in the morning with coffee sounds wonderful, but is there something else as well? Yeah, um, for me, be, like you said, outside of 2018, because honestly, I didn't feel very present last year. Like even if I wasn't physically holding my phone and working on social media, which is a huge part of my job yeah. or sitting at the computer typing or editing or working on something in my head, I was completely checked out because I just was working in overdrive thinking of what I needed to do, what didn't get done, all those types of things. So Um, I've just, honestly, what it has come down to is just giving myself the permission to not have to work nonstop throughout the day. Mm. Um, and I think that's hard. Like when you work from home, because you constantly feel like you're in the office or you're, you know, just feeling like I'm looking at all the work I have ahead of me or in front of me. And it's just like, you're there around it all day. And so it's just, it's hard to stop because, you're like, oh, well, it's here. I can get it done. You don't technically like walk away from it. So I just had to let myself know, like, it's okay to sit down and turn on a show and sit with our daughter for, you know, a little bit or go play with her or go for a walk and, you know, take a break from work. So giving myself that permission just to have certain slots where they're dedicated to getting the work done. And then knowing that anything outside of that was time for me to be present either for myself or for my family or I mean, even for our house. So that's, that's how I, that's how I see it and how I challenge myself to go about giving myself that time. That's really good. You know, something that also came to mind too, and, and uh, again, I speak from experience, but the other thing that can, can cause us to constantly go back to work, whether that's on our phone or our laptop or otherwise is especially in starting a new business or maybe going in a new direction with a business is fear, right? We're, we're afraid of, it's, it's really almost FOMO, fear of missing out on mm-hmm. the potential of booking a new client. And there is that kind of desperation that is driven in many cases by fear. And that fear ultimately can be detrimental to the health of our, certainly our personal lives. lives. And then in, in some cases, even our, our business, the idea that we run our business um, motivated by fear. It's just not a great place to be. So um, that that is a, really almost a whole separate conversation in and of itself. But understanding um, the direction that you're going is helpful, as we've already talked about, but then also implementing or putting in place, coming up with actually a plan initially uh, and a structure for how you're going to reach those goals and then beginning to systematically implement uh, that plan understanding that spending an extra, you know, 15, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or even an hour a day isn't going to make as big a difference as we might kind of build up in our mind that it is okay. And in fact, good to take time off, especially for the sake of our own personal health, for the health of our relationships. I think that's really important to keep in mind as well. John, do you want to add anything to that? You know, yeah, I think, I think for me, it really comes back to Uh, what we talked about, about finding free time, like without being intentional, Mm. kind of like how Erica just mentioned with having different blocks of time or different sections of time for different tasks throughout the day. If if I'm not intentional, my mind just wanders and goes crazy. So, you know, I, I remember specifically times where my son's home from school and I'm supposed to be sitting and playing Legos and I'm sitting there just checked out thinking of, oh, this didn't get done. And like you said, you know, some fear creeps in there too of, 
Um, am I missing out on this? Or we didn't hear back from this client yet. They must hate us. You know, all, all these different <laughs> thoughts that come yeah. into your head. And so then everything just gets cloudy and hard to focus, period. For so sure. um, it, it's, it really works against you. So being intentional about the goals for the day, like we talked about, hmm. and, and also knowing too, like we don't have to jump every time our phone dings with an email. Yeah, I think that was a huge thing that we learned last year too. Um, and we actually ended up putting in, to our an automatic email response to inquiries like, Hey, well, you know, thank you. You know, so happy you reached out. We'll be back to you within 24 to 48 hours because we have to give ourselves a little bit of a buffer. And, and it's what I did in the corporate worlds. Like when I worked in corporate America, before we started doing this together, um, you know, if it was after five o'clock, six o'clock, I didn't jump from my phone or feel like I needed to get back to someone right away. I'll take care of it in the morning. Um, and, and so giving ourselves permission to do that as well, has allowed us to be more focused on our family, be more present in the time we do have with our family um, instead of sitting there thinking about the email that just came in or anything that didn't get done. Because again, we've, we've set our goal list, we've accomplished it for the day and we can, we can kind of shut that side of our mind off a little bit better. Yeah. And it always helps to, and, and maybe you guys are already doing this in some form or fashion. It always helps to turn off those notifications too. I, it, mm-hmm. They can be, I mean, it, it is easy to get distracted when you see that, that screen light up on your phone and you want to just glance over to see what came in, you know, whether it's a text message or an email notification or social media notification or whatever it might be. Um, I love something that has been implemented by Google Voice. And, and I wish, honestly, that more platforms would do this. And I think there are different ways to go about it. Maybe not the exact same implementation, but Google Voice in particular, I have a separate phone number that I'll give um, in some cases to uh, industry clients, potential clients of uh, photographers or companies or otherwise, sometimes just th- that I'll use when I go to create an account somewhere. Uh, but that particular number, I can actually designate the the time frame uh, during which I am at, that somebody is allowed to actually reach out to me. Otherwise, it's going to go to voicemail if they try to call mm-hmm. me. And so you can actually designate the hours um, during which people can connect with you via that phone number. And it would be nice to be able to put that kind of schedule in place um, a little bit more proactively on on different platforms. But turning notifications off certainly makes a big deal. Ultimately, though, John, as you pointed out, being intentional on what you're doing in the moment and focusing on just that thing, I, though it can be difficult at time, no doubt, uh, I'm certainly, I, I can certainly relate to that. Um, that is really, really important. So again, I appreciate you both sharing on that. Let's go to a, a, a kind of a different question and different direction here. I'm curious what the most impactful book uh, has been for each of you, if you don't mind sharing. The most, I'd say the most impactful book for both of us would have to be the same book. So I'll answer this for both <laughs> of us. Um, but it's Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Okay. When I was still working in corporate USA and and before it was even a thought of mine to do anything with photography, I started listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio and really became inspired hearing all these people do these debt-free screams and it was strangely emotional, like hearing people <laughs> come on and say, I had $150,000 in debt and I paid it all off in two years and I'm debt free. And then they'd scream and I'm like, wow, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And yeah. so based on that, you know, kind of got inspired and, and got the book and read it. And it, it inspired us years ago to start paying off petty debts that we had accumulated as uh, as young, you know, naive newlyweds, we're like, hey, we need a couch and TV, and it's zero percent. Why not? Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and uh, then we realized, like, we've got all these small debts we're carrying around, 
and, and really, I think the reason it's such an impactful book for us and we can look to it and say, like, this, this made a huge impact on our lives is it, it changed our thinking about money in general. But also looking back, if we wouldn't have been inspired to pay off those debts um, and student loans and vehicles and the things the way we did, there is no possible way we would have had the financial freedom um, to make the leap to full-time business mm. as soon as we did. Yeah. We, we got to the point where we had no debt and we were able to save. And, you know, when that dream was in both of our hearts and we both felt like it was the time we were ready to, we were ready and financially able to say goodbye to, you know, my comfortable, consistent income and move across the country and start our business from scratch. Wow. And, and so if we wouldn't have instilled those principles in our own life, and done that, um, there, I, I don't even know if we'd be here doing what we're doing today, quite honestly. So, um, it's really more, more than just a set of principles for us that were outlined in his book. Um, it was really a roadmap for success in our own life, but also in our business, uh, before we even knew we'd be business owners. Yeah. I, I think just to uh, piggyback off of that, it's definitely one of the main foundations that we built going into full-time business off of, because like John said, we wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And a lot of people will ask us like, gosh, how did you just, how did you make that leap? And that was one of the foundations that we built underneath us was to become debt-free. And I don't think we would have had the inspiration to do it without the impact of that book. Yeah. And there is something, I mean, we'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes. I'm sure some of our listeners at least have heard of that book before, uh, Dave is quite a, a popular guy around the country, but um, one of the things that comes to mind when I when I hear you all describing your experience with these principles is the notion again of proactivity, and in this case, of course, with finances. Um, and I've I've mentioned this in the podcast a number of times before, but for me personally, fear of money and all the responsibility associated with it um, was actually quite detrimental to me for for quite some time uh, when it came to running a business, being an entrepreneur and ultimately managing my own personal finances effectively. Um, that fear caused a lot of issue. That fear, of course, generated a reactive behavioral pattern when it came to my finances and, again, was extremely detrimental. So the idea that you proactively go after in this case, debt, take care of that debt, and then begin saving, and now have the freedom, the flexibility because of the proactivity in dealing with your finances is a wonderful lesson. Whether our listeners specifically implement Dave's principles or not, this notion of proactivity with finances uh, as business owners, it, it's an absolute must. You just have to do it. Um, and it is going to create that freedom, that flexibility, and ultimately that peace of mind uh, that we also desperately crave anyway. I think it's just really, really great. It's a good reminder. It's good advice. And, and again, we'll link to that book in the show notes. For those of you listening in, do take advantage of the show notes. Haley does a wonderful job. Haley helps produce our podcast, the Boca Podcast, and she puts together show notes for each episode. If you just go to bocapodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, you can check out uh, the links and resources there in the show notes. Uh, let's, let's talk about your photography business. Um, and you actually already alluded to this. You said that you, your first full-time year was just this past year, correct? 2018? Yes, that was our first full-time year. Okay. So, so talk to us a little bit about the backstory and how you got started. Yeah. Um, so I have been a photographer for the last seven years. I started 
right after we had our son, um, I, I knew I always wanted to be a stay at home mom, but we also had like the best baby who just napped all the time. I mean, he would just sleep all day. And so I just told John, I'm like, you know, I'm at home and, you know, getting to do this that I absolutely love, but I kind of also just want to have like a creative outlet, just something where I feel like, you know, I'm pouring my, my mind and thoughts and ideas and creativity into. And so he and my parents got me a camera for Christmas and I literally just started asking friends to please be guinea pigs and put (laughs) up with me, like pushing buttons and turning dials and just trying to figure out my camera. And they were gracious enough to do it with me. And then just, it trickled into people asking me and people like wanting to hire me for this and for that. And so that's how it started for myself. I built it up to where I was shooting weddings and second shooting weddings. And then, uh, let's see, we moved to Washington for just two years, Washington state. And when we got there, I was like, okay, this is going to be my best excuse to just stop because it was getting to the point where it was a lot for me to do. Uh, and then the business side of it was just always super intimidating to me and Mm. just felt like too much to take on by myself. Yeah. So I got up there and I was like, cool, like I'm out of Arizona and nobody here knows that I do this. So this is perfect. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to continue if I don't want to, but we've always had a dream to have our own business. And John had a great job in corporate America and we just, but we still just weren't happy. We just felt like we're not doing what we've always wanted to do. And we would just sit and brainstorm like, okay, what kind of business could we create? Like, what can we do? What are all the different ideas that, you know, we've talked about in the past and just out of nowhere, I was like, John, I have a business, you know, I've built a photography business Hmm. and I'm like, I've seen it modeled so well with other husband and wife teams. And I'm like, why do we not, why don't we do this together? And that's when I was like, uh, I I sell tractors for a living. (laughs) Okay. Take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a pretty big switch, huh? Yeah. Um, he, so I I didn't have to convince too much, only because again, we just it was more of a dream for us to have our own business together um than it was a fear for him to like be behind a camera. You mm. know, it was like he was willing to do that just for the sake of us trying to build a business and work for ourselves. That was like always our goal. Um so Three and a half years ago, I would say it was that John started shooting with me after we did a workshop, an in-person workshop together. <laughs> and John, at, at which at which um, the the teachers were like, "Hey, we're going to cover some real quick basics of your camera, ISO, aperture, shutter speed, yeah, how to use light." And everybody's sitting back and yawning, and I was scribbling <laughs> in the workbook as fast as I could. Yeah. Like, Oh my gosh, I got to learn all this stuff. Yeah, like smoke coming off of his paper type of thing. Yeah. Um, But honestly, it was the best thing we could have done to him to just throw him into it. And I think that's like with anything. I think if you like give kids swimming lessons, you don't walk them around the water and just have them look at it and stare at it. You just throw them in the water and you start teaching them. And so that's what we did with John three and a half years ago. And then, like we said, in 2017, we came back home to Arizona because that's where we we knew with our business model, we wanted to be back in the sunshine and just back home where we felt comfortable and where we just knew we wanted our business to be based. And then 2018 was our first full year doing that full time. Well, you know, I have to go back to, I mean, a comment that you made just a second ago, and it's a reflection of what you said earlier as well, this idea of just jumping in and going for it. 
uh, there is something, in fact, a significant amount to be said about planning and structure and systems and implementation of the that structure and those systems and setting goals and so forth. But at some point, you just got to go for it. And, you know, and the, the wonderful thing about, especially the photography industry, especially for those listening in, if you're curious, like, hey, when do I when do I actually go for it? When can I quote be a professional photographer? Many times it just takes shooting. I mean, you just start taking pictures. And as you pointed out, Erica, let your friends know that you're available to capture family portraits for them or headshots for them or just take pictures of their family when they're hanging out at the park. Whatever it might be, just start shooting and and let your friends and family members see those images. Of course, we have the wonderful, um, well, at at times wonderful anyway, platform called Facebook that enables an Instagram that enables us to be able to easily share images and people begin to see that work. And there is massive opportunity there for us as photographers. Sometimes you just got to go for it. And uh, yeah. I also love John that you just you just jumped in, uh, went <laughs> dove in head first, and and uh, as those people were yawning around you, you're you're taking notes furiously. That's a great picture. Uh, it also reminds me. I I just took my son out yesterday um, driving. He hasn't quite gotten his license yet. He has his permit, and um, he he actually hadn't driven for quite some time, so he was feeling really rusty. But we didn't take it easy. We just we went out there. We got in the roads. We got into the traffic. We were on this really narrow, winding road going down this mountain. And things got a little bit tense at times, but it, sometimes you just have to go for it. And what you learn during those intense times actually can be quite p- compelling. Our, our, our minds are in this heightened state when you're forced to, to take on a, a challenging task. And what you learn from that can be potentially even more powerful than what you would what you would learn in a much more relaxed environment. So I love that you guys just went for it, but I'm curious... Through this process, and, and I, I love this story, it's an interesting story actually, but what has been one of the most impactful lessons that you've learned as business owners so far? Maybe if you could sum that up in about 15 seconds. Yeah, um, this this question, it is a hands down, and the same answer for both of us, um, because starting a business is hard. Continuing with it and sticking with it can be even harder, especially when you experience the no's and the setbacks and the, the discouragements that it does bring. Yeah. But we were told a piece of advice from one of the uh, leaders in our industry here in Arizona. He told us, because we just we sent him an email real quick. We're like, dang, this year just feels like a roller coaster. Mm. We will we'll be at so low. And then all of a sudden you turn the corner and it's like, oh my, oh my gosh, like we are the highest high that we can get. Yeah. Like it can't change. And then all of a sudden it drops. Yes. And just just pure discouragement. We're like, it is a roller coaster, and then it turns and then it flips you upside down and then it whips you back. And what he said has stuck with us. I think every day at some point I think about it because he said. The only people who get hurt on a roller coaster are the ones who get off too early. Hmm. And when he said that, we just looked at each other and we were like, okay, like we're not done. <laughs> we're not, we're not getting off this roller coaster, no matter how bad or dizzy or, you know, sick it's making us like we are in it. And, um, even when it's tough, even when it's hard, you just got to stick through it and not get off too early because, you know, the next highest high that just takes you off could just be around the corner. So that's the best piece of advice that we've given and the biggest lesson that we've learned in our business so far. I love it. I love it. That sums it up beautifully. Let's talk about your photography business specifically and the type of photography that you're actually offering. How would you sum up your photography business's brand position? Um, yeah. So what we do is we partner with, uh, with different brands, whether they're you know, products or services or even personal brands. Um, and we partner with them to create 
imagery for mostly digital market marketing uh, campaigns. So, you know, we'll work with uh, a product or service oriented business to come up with a, you know, a full photo shoot that that outlines from start to finish what they need for their digital marketing. Um, and, and so kind of the way we do that, I mean, there's a lot of people who work in, in the brand photography industry. Um, I mean, if you think about all of the images in magazines or billboards or, you know, that you see everywhere, there's people taking those pictures. But what we found is a lot of those photographers are, are very, they're extremely niche photographers. Right. Um, you know, like the guy who takes Nike's shoe photos probably specializes in shoe photography. You know, I mean, that's, that's his jam. And, um, and, and we're not trying to be that specific, but what we do specifically want to do is create an experience for brands that come to us and say, we have this great product or we have this great service and, and we know that our ideal clients are going to love it. And we know who our ideal clients are. Um, but we don't know how to get from point A to point B to put together a photo shoot that's going to communicate that message to them. Yeah. And so as much as we're photographers and we call ourselves brand photographers, we also consider ourselves to be content creators and creative stylists uh, because we, we partner with that brand and kind of get inside their head. Or as Erica likes to say, she, she channels her inner Joanna Gaines. Um, <laughs> and and we, we work with them to plan exactly how to communicate through that, that message through photography. So we, we build out a timeline and we coordinate locations and come up with a shot list and photo inspiration and all of these things to create kind of a guidebook that they can then give feedback on. But then on the day of the shoot, it becomes our roadmap to make sure we cover everything they need. We put all of the images and, or I'm sorry, all of the, the targets that we had for the day in our shot list. We it makes sure that we get all of that accomplished. So at the end of the day, the images that they envisioned in their head from the beginning that they didn't know how to get there, we've taken them through that whole journey. And so it's really that full experience as well of not just here's your final images, but we walk them through that journey of how to get there. And, and so that's really what we've begun to focus on as brand photographers. And, and like I said, then also content creators and creative stylists. Well, and, and that is a very complete experience and, and I appreciate you kind of sharing all of that, but I have to give you major props too, because you guys have one of the clearest, most concise brand positions um, that I've heard on our podcast in 200 plus episodes yet. And I'm actually on the homepage of your website. For those of you listening in, make sure you check out Erica and John, E-R-I-C-A and J-O-N.com. Uh, and it is the same thing on Instagram too, correct? Yes. Okay, yep, perfect. At Erica and John. Perfect. We'll link to that in the show notes. But the homepage of your website, you say very succinctly, we partner with commercial and personal brands to create compelling and intentional imagery to promote their products, people, and personality. And uh, to be able to clearly and concisely in one sentence sum up what you do is, is a really, I mean, it's an unusual thing, unfortunately, in our industry. And I think, and hopefully we're creating some awareness about this idea of a brand position through the podcast because okay. it does ultimately make it, and we were actually chatting about this before we started recording, the direction that you all are going with your brand, specifically focusing on branding photography. Uh, in order to be able to effectively communicate your brand, you first of all need to be clear about what it is that you offer. And hopefully that, that particular service is unique to your market, it, which of course naturally enables you to be able to stand out more easily. But then figuring out how to communicate that effectively is very, very key as well. And it's easy to get to, to, to go on and on and on talking about this thing and that thing. 
and the actual position get lost in the process. You've been able to do this in one sentence. It's very clear. It's very concise. So again, I have to give you major props. And and for those listening in, this is a wonderful example of a very clear and concise brand position. Take this as an example and figure out how you can come up with a one-sentence description of what it is, not only that your service offers or that you offer as a service, but more specifically how that is different from the, the wedding or portrait photographers or commercial photographers in your market. It's really, really important. Speaking and communicating it, though, beyond just that uh, that uh, text on the homepage of your website, how do you effectively go about create or communicating this brand position to your clients or potential clients? To be completely transparent, that's been something we've struggled with. And I appreciate your encouragement um, from, from that kind of brand position statement on our website because it's something we did try really hard to be able to communicate in, in a nutshell. Cause we know we've, we've only got so much of someone's time and attention when they visit and are interested and check out what we do. Yeah. Um, and we really want to make sure we spoke directly and clearly and concisely to this is who we are. This is what we do. If this is what you need. Awesome. If not, we know other people that can probably help you, you know, and we're, we're excited to be in the middle actually of working with some really brilliant people who are helping us even further refine our brand design and, and website and strategies to make sure we're really getting that message across to our ideal clients. We, we, we both kind of cringed when you gave our current website a shout out because we're in the process of renewing all of that. So we're really excited. We'll be launching our fresh brand and website to even more clearly outline the experience that we just talked about a minute ago. Sure. I think that's really what we want people aside from kind of a clear, concise brand position. We want to be able to communicate the experience that they get with us in a really effective way, because we feel like that's one of the things that distinguishes us. And one of the things that sets apart from anybody that could take a photo of your product. That's the biggest thing we're trying to communicate um, from our brand to a potential client is you know, yes, you know, the pictures are going to be on point and they're going to, they're going to work well for you, but the experience and everything going into it, leading up to it is also part of what we bring to the table. Um, and that's what we want our clients to be able to see and, and value and understand. Well, and, and I will mention too, by the time this episode comes out, it may be because we have a little bit of a lag with, with the various, uh, the multiple episodes that we have in the queue. It may be that the new website is out by that point, but Again, I have to give you props for the, the clarity of that the position statement. And I'm certainly not a web designer, uh, but I would actually recommend moving that because I, I had to scroll down just a little bit to get to that position statement. I'd put that at the very top because it so effectively communicates what it is that you all offer. Then you know, going from there and communicating the experience totally makes sense. In fact, that's actually been a bit of a challenge for the Photographer's Edit brand as well. We have a, and actually we're just right now in the process of combining the, the how it works and services pages into one. So it's this one scrolling page that communicates to our potential clients what it is like to work with Photographer's Edit. First, the services that we offer and then what that process actually looks like. And um, that will, I'm sure, continue to be a process of refinement. It's important to to communicate clearly, concisely. And and like you pointed out, John, there's so much noise all around us. So if if it takes, you know, paragraphs of of text to communicate what it is that we're offering and how we go about that process, it's too complicated. We have to figure out how to distill, how to simplify, and for there ultimately to be a a lot of white space. And it takes a little bit of work uh, to actually distill it down to that simple message or to the simple uh, process or communication process. But 
it, it's, it ultimately is going to not only benefit us, it's going to benefit the potential client because they can clearly understand what it is that we offer. Expectations are properly managed. Uh, it's a win-win for everybody at that point. So I, I love this conversation. Again, thanks for setting a wonderful example. Let's go a different direction, kind of a little more lighthearted. Um, what is in your gear bag? Maybe you can each share a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag these days. Yeah. Um, this one is always fun because I, I, we do love our gear and we get excited about like, you know, what we get to use and all of our lenses and stuff like that. But hands down, my favorite camera body is the Canon 5D Mark III. Um, ever since John started shooting with me, that's the camera that we purchased for me. And I've been using it for about three and a half years. Yeah. And then my favorite lens is my portrait lens, the 50 millimeter 1.2. For me, my favorite lens, hands down, when I have the opportunity to use it. So when we're doing more um, kind of lifestyle tilted uh, branding photography, um, like showing a product in in use, you know, out in the wild, if you will, is the 70 to 200. I just, I don't know if it's because it's so big and heavy. It just makes me feel like a boss. (laughs) I think there's actually a recent picture of you with one on your Instagram profile. Yes, there is. Uh, but I just love that lens. I love, honestly, I think my favorite thing about it is, um, so Erica usually runs lead for us. And so as, uh, as her second, it gives me a ton of flexibility to be able to work with different compositions and work around her and, and get the types of shots we need, uh, without interfering with, with what she's doing. So hands down my favorite. Yeah. And I do just have to add for our product photography, which we have been doing a lot more of, we absolutely love our hundred millimeter uh, macro or detail lens, whatever you want to refer to it as, because it just gives such a crisp and clean photo and just Mm. makes the product pictures just look so rich and just makes them really stand out. So that's another favorite. That's that's great. Well, we'll certainly list these in the show notes again, bocapodcast.com, that the 50 and, and 70 to 200 are my top lenses for sure. And, mm-hmm. and you know, again, for those listening in, if, if you are trying to figure out how to spend your money for the first set of camera gear that you're going to purchase, that 50-1.8 is such an inexpensive, even the 1.4, um, yes. is such an inexpensive lens to, to get a hold of and to get started with. You can do so much with it. And uh, I, I Really can't recommend that enough. Really, really great lens. Let's get on to kind of our primary topic for today. And we're going to be talking specifically about branding photography. Again, this is unique to the podcast. I think we've mentioned a little bit in passing in previous episodes, but we've certainly never focused exclusively on it. And this is you all's specialty. And, and I know that we were chatting before the podcast started. You said that even more so going into 2019, you're going to be focusing on this. But how did you even get into this side of the photography industry to begin with? Um, what what enabled that move? What encouraged that decision to specialize specifically in, in branding photography? Shoot, we're excited to know we're kind of the first ones uh, on the podcast to, that that focus on that. Uh, it's an honor to be able to speak to that. You know, our our own personal story of how we got into this. I guess the best way we can sum it up is it was an accident. <laughs> um, we, we, you know, like we were talking about earlier when we were talking about, you know, just going in full force, you know, without any hesitation, just jumping straight in that, that best describes exactly what we did when we started shooting. I mean, we shot real estate, high school seniors, maternity sessions, couples, weddings, family sessions. I mean, you name it, yeah. we shot it because like I said, if, if it needed a camera lens put in front of it, we would be there. And so that kind of started happening 
where we were we we would work with a local wedding cake shop and take some pictures of their cookies and different treats and stuff. And at the time, we didn't even it didn't even compute in our minds as like, hey, this is this is a, a brand photography. We're just like, hey, we're taking pictures of cookies. You know, cool, and they taste great after we're done shooting them. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Oh, total bonus. Love food photography. So if anybody's <laughs> looking to get into brand photography, focus on food. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't think of it like, oh, hey, we're doing branding photography. But over time, we started doing more and more of this kind of work. And we eventually looked at each other and we're like, we have a ton of work we're doing that we're not showing anybody. Yeah, we're hiding it. Yeah, we're hiding it. Hmm. We're not, we're not pushing, putting it out there on social media or on our website because our our business focus at the time was we wanted to be wedding photographers and we're like, you know, putting a, putting spaghetti and meatballs on our Instagram isn't going to attract the type of, well, maybe it would attract the type of bride we wanted. I don't know who doesn't love spaghetti and meatballs, but you know, that wasn't going to attract the, our ideal client at the time. But then we started to look more beyond just like, what are we not showing that we're shooting? We started to look at the the financial side of it and the revenue. Hmm. And we realized whoa, wait a second. We're calling ourselves wedding photographers and this is what we're pursuing. This is what we're branded as. But more than 50% of our business is what we would probably classify as working with businesses. Like that's, that's strange. Yeah. Um, and, and so as we began to wrestle with that idea and, and look at the revenue stream and what we were booking and seeing that we were attracting more and more and more of that type of work, it, it really became just a matter of listening to what the market was telling us. And slowly but surely kind of gaining the courage to abandon a business model we we had started out with and were you know wrapped up with to focus on what where the market was leading us and that led to our focus on branding photography now, for, there are a couple of things I want to note here. First of all, your attention to numbers. Uh, again, it, we we need to to emphasize the significance of this, and we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but. If if you are running a photography business and you're not using accounting software that enables you to be able to see where your revenue is coming from and make intelligent business decisions, just like you described, John, um, you're missing out. So if you don't have something set up now, go set up a QuickBooks Online account and begin tracking those numbers. Because you know the idea that we're we're hoping or wishing that our business is going to succeed. And doing so with a bunch of guesses here and there, it's just just not an effective way to go about running a business, at least for the long term. And so I I love that you point out that you you looked at that revenue stream, you figured out that there was such a significant amount of revenue coming from this particular segment of your business that it made sense to, to begin to focus there. I think that's great. I think the other thing, too, about this conversation with regards to branding photography is and and the reason why it, it's first of all you've had the opportunity to be able to to spend more and more time in it and to actually make a living from it but that also our listeners have an opportunity to potentially get into this particular segment of the market is that more and more personal and small brands are trying to create a presence online and mm-hmm. those brands need images and so it makes sense you know like like you pointed out John there are there've been plenty of photographers over the last decades Um, that have been photographing for brands, that idea is not a new thing. But the idea that you have small brands or individuals who need imagery to represent their brand, particularly for social media, is is a newer thing. 
And I think that's why there is or one of the biggest reasons why there is such an opportunity right now in this realm. So let's let's talk nitty gritty. Let's talk practical. Um, will you all share key elements of good branding photography and, and maybe a little bit more detail about how you actually implement these important elements, these ideas in your photographic work? Yeah. So I would say one of the top elements, one of the top key elements that we use with working with any brand, whether it's a personal brand or a product brand, is just to focus on the product and or service and what it's um, what they're trying to sell. Um, so in, in every photo, it's just like keeping the attention on the product or the brand and not distracting from it. And that can be tricky when it's more of a service or, you know, personal brand type of thing. But for instance, when we work with a restaurant and we're um, photographing their dishes, we just bring in different elements that will add visual interest to the photo, but not distract from it. Hmm. Um, Just so that it's just, again, supporting our clients' food, um, which in turn is allowing us to serve them the best that we can. And, And nothing's distracting from it. We're just you know, adding some creativity to the photo, but always keeping the focus on what their product is. And, and with, with, with personal brands, Erica mentioned that sometimes it's difficult, but there usually still is with the personal brand. There's, there's a message or um, maybe a product they're promoting or some sort of philosophy or system or idea that they're promoting that we're able to focus on. So while it's a little bit different than just a plate of food on a table that we have to make sure is you know, obvious and stands out and is, is not distracted from with the personal brands. We do a similar thing in making sure that that key idea or element is what stands out the most in the photo. Well, at the end of the day, a business has to have a a value proposition, right? How am I going Mm -hmm. to add value to my potential client? So whether it's food or there's a personal brand, as you pointed out, John, with, with a particular message that they want to communicate that hopefully adds value Whatever it might be, the value proposition is the thing to focus on in that photography. And so I love that you highlight this. I'm curious, though, if, if maybe one of the two of you or even both of you could describe what the antithesis of this looks like. So you're, you're talking about, for example, Erica, um, not including anything in this image of the, the dish with the food on it that would distract from the primary subject, uh, mm-hmm. what this brand is about. Have you seen images, brand photography that does that don't do that so well? And maybe what did those look like? Yeah, so um, this kind of ties into our second key element. But I will say, like a big thing is to keep other brands out of the photo. Um, it can be tricky because you know if I, I go always go to the food one because I feel like that's the one we do a ton of creative work with, mm-hmm. and of course we use I, and I share it in our stories and a lot of people will ask you know where we source our different props and stuff and I love the magnolia line and so I use a lot of their towels or dishes and stuff but not focusing on the label on the towel or you know the label on the handle of a spoon and kind of hiding those things out of the photo. So it's not like I'm shooting, you know, for that, you know, utensil or whatever. Right. And just not overtaking the brand we are working with by other brands that we bring into the picture. Ah, that's and good. yeah, and just keeping, like I said, my our second key element is just less is more, not overdoing it. Because, you know, sometimes there's the a right way to have like 
you know, a table setting and it looks so pretty and there's so much on the table and, you know, it kind of pulls in like the idea of a family gathering at the table and whatnot, but we like to keep it simple. And sometimes, you know, when we're styling out a a photo, if we just feel like it's not working, we pull stuff out and then all of a sudden it comes together. Less is more is just, you know, I can't speak to that enough. Yeah. And, and I would have to say too, I'm, I'm actually on your Instagram page right now and just kind of scrolling and, and this is really, you, you practice what you preach. I mean, the, the, your Instagram feed is a reflection of this. There is a lot of white and I don't, I don't feel, you know, some feeds you go to and they're quote dark and moody or quote light and area. And you feel like it's, it's just a trend that is being followed. But in this right. case, um, it, there's a lot of white space in one form or another, but you're doing exactly what you're suggesting here. Less is more. White space then helps encourage emphasis on the subject at hand. So for those of you listening in, again, go to Instagram.com slash Erica and John, or of course, just at Erica and John on Instagram and make sure you take a look at at their work because it is a, a wonderful example of this. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. If, if I can add one more thing kind of on, sure. on what you said to what would the antithesis of focusing on the product look like? Yeah. I think another thing that's a, a key and you kind of just hit on it with white space and what we talked about with less is more, but also focusing on the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we're shooting a, a pasta dish, again, going back to food, I guess we're hungry. But if we're shooting a pasta dish and, and we know that, you know, we, we want to bring in some fresh elements and raw ingredients that went into that dish because the brand wants to communicate fresh, you know, um, farm to table kind of, of a vibe. We know that pasta, red pasta, uh, or sorry, excuse me, pasta with red sauce is going to have really warm colors to it. You know, we got like an orangish color, yellow noodle and red sauce and a meatball. Well, we're not going to want to put that on, on and around other colors that are going to pull so much of that same color because then the dish is just going to get lost. So that's another way to really focus on the product is considering the colors Mm -hmm. and making sure there aren't colors around the product that you're supposed to be focusing on that will pull your eye or your attention away from the product and onto the background. Um, so that would be another key way to focus on the product is just focusing on what else you have in the frame and making sure that that product is what sticks out. And the first thing your eye is drawn to. Oh, that's really good. Okay, cool. So, uh, the focus of course, being on what is being sold, less is more attention to detail when it comes to the colors that they don't distract from what is being sold. And then, uh, do you have another one to add to that, Erica? Yeah. So this one was a little bit tricky for us in the beginning. And again, I think it's because we came from the shift of, you know, selling or marketing ourselves as wedding photographers Um, for us in, in Arizona, of course, because we have so much sunshine, it's all light and bright and airy a lot of styles that we see, and that's a personal style that we love. But with branding photography, we had to learn that we have to understand our brand's image And so, you know, it's important to make sure that you feel like you're a good fit for the image style that they're wanting to shoot for, or that you can at least adapt to it. For instance, we had the opportunity to work with the Chicago White Sox for the first time last year during spring training. And to be quite honest, you know, they have a lot of black in their 
products and apparel. Well, Chicago's a moody city. I mean, yeah. come on, it's cloudy. I mean, right <laughs> yeah. now they've got snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the deep, the deep navy and deep red. And and at the time I was like, well, oh my gosh, like how is this going to tie into pretty pastels and lace and, you know, white and bright? And we delivered some photos that I def- I definitely would not say match their brand. And when we saw them used a couple times, we noticed like, you know, they were filtered or just taken down a little bit in the exposure just so that it matched their own personal feed. And when I saw that, I was like, John, I have to be okay to like deliver exactly what they need. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's not the style of my house or, you know, necessarily the type of photos that we take of ourselves. But when you're working with a brand, you really have to understand what it is they're trying to deliver and market for their business and be willing to adapt to that when it comes to shooting. And then kind of even in your editing, if, you know, you need to make adjustments based on what you normally do. Yeah. And we, and we can still stay true to what we do and who we are as photographers when we do that. Like, it doesn't mean we have, I mean, you won't scroll through our feed and find something that's, you know, super, super dark and moody per se, but making some slight adjustments to make sure that we match, again, their brand image. The second time we shot for them, we actually went to Chicago and shot at Guaranteed Rate Field. And we made sure to shoot a little bit darker than we normally would. And in our post-production, we maybe left a little bit more blacks in our edits and when they use those photos, they didn't touch them, nope. right? They, they posted <laughs> them straight. It's like, hey, this matches our brand. This is perfect. And so, you know, I think sometimes as photographers, we get caught up in our final image style being like, that's what defines us. But I think what we're trying to build and what we're trying to emphasize to our clients too is, yes, you know, you're going to get a great final photo. Um but it's also, again, the experience of working with us and everything else that we can bring to add value um, is just as important as what that final photo looks like. And as long as they have the confidence that the photo is going to look great and then further confidence that we can make some tweaks to match their brand style. It's, it's really been what I think has it was a big lesson for us in that sense, uh, in that example, and something that we realized, you know, it's okay to adapt a little bit to make sure that we're really serving the client well at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and, and if you go to, again, for those of you listening, and if you look at Aaron, Erica and John's Instagram feed, it's very consistent. And there's really no reason why, even in those shoots that you know you're going to have to tweak your style a little bit, um, that you can't still grab a few images. They're going to fit that Instagram feed, tie those yep. in, and and then provide the rest of the, the images to, to fit the client's needs. But the, what I wrote down here was brand image over style. And I, and I love that you guys are emphasizing this because again, in our industry, there is a tendency to, to get overly concerned and focus on a so-called editing style. And, and to be clear, I mean, my photographers edit, this is what we specialize in because we know it's important to photographers, but we have to keep some perspective when it comes to the conversation about this and realize that ultimately it is about serving the client. Do demonstrate right. or, or display rather what it is that you prefer to shoot, but it is a preference in the end. And at the end of the day, our focus should be on serving the client, taking care of the client. And that will pay off not only in the short term, but in the long run as well. And so I love that you emphasize that. This is this has been a really wonderful conversation. You guys are great conversationalists um, and you've made my job really easy, but I'd love for you to go ahead and just share where our listeners one more time can find you online so they can follow what you're doing. And especially with this new website coming out too, it's going to be really exciting to see what you do with your with your branding and your positioning on, on the new site, but do share where they can find you. 
Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. It's been a lot of fun to talk with you too. Um, and where all you listeners can find us is on Facebook. We are at Erica and John Photography, and it is E-R-I-C-A-A-N-D spelled out for and. And then John is just J-O-N. He doesn't have an H no in his H. name. No H. I'm that guy. <laughs> um, on Instagram, it's at Erica and John, and our website is ericaandjohn.com. Perfect. So pretty consistent, nothing, nothing too tricky. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> and we'll make sure to link to those in the show notes. But again, thank you guys both, Erica and John, for making time for the Boca podcast today. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>